Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. That's our topic for today, Uh, and we're going to be looking at what it means for us to have a new heart for the church. And and before we get into that, um, there's really significant passages in the Bible that kind of function as these pivot points, right? Okay, so if you go to Genesis 3, you read Genesis 3, uh, Adam and Eve are in the garden, they eat the fruit, and they sin, and they cast out of the garden. Everything that follows on in the Bible hinges off that moment. So everything we read, everything else after Genesis chapter 3, in light of the fact that Adam and Eve sinned in that garden. Like, that's a real big hinge point that we see in, in, in the Bible. Uh, when God comes and makes a promise to Abraham, like, that's a, that's a hinge point. Like, everything that follows on God's promise with Abraham kind of builds off this idea that God has chosen this group of people uh, to, to be with him and follow him. Uh, and there's the hinge points that go throughout the Bible where, where things build off. So we have Moses uh, when he's on Mount Sinai and he's given the law. Uh, we have the exile. Uh, most importantly, we have the story of Jesus when Jesus comes down and dies on the cross and rises again. That's a big hinge point, right? Like everything in the rest of the Bible builds off that moment. Uh, and, and today, my, my hope, uh, as we look through Acts chapter 15, uh, though it may not be the most significant hinge point, uh, my hope is that you would see it as a significant uh, hinge point in the Bible where, where things uh, kind of look a little bit different because of Acts chapter 15. Uh, I hope that you would see it as, as a significant passage within the Bible, where, and when we look at uh, Paul's writings, when we look at the church trying to figure out how to function um, from Acts 15 onwards, uh, that you would see that in light of, of Acts chapter 15. And so uh, we're going to get straight into it. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 15, starting in uh, verse 1. So this is how it goes. So certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. Um, And so what's happening here? Uh, So first, uh, we'll kind of discuss some terms, because that's always really fun. So we have the Jews. Uh, so anytime you see the Jews in the Bible, think these are, are God's chosen people. So these, this is, these are the descendants of Abraham, the people that God has chosen to work with and through. Uh, we have the Gentiles, who is anyone who are not God's chosen people. Uh, so they are not Jews. Uh, so they are the Greeks, the Romans, the Phoenicians, the Sumerians, all those Aryans that are around there. They are like the, the not Jewish people. They're the people that are not chosen by God. And we also have the Pharisees who are within the Jews or God's chosen people. And they have noticed that things have begun to slip. The Pharisees have noticed that we're not following God. We're God's chosen people, but we're not following him in the way that we should. And so the Pharisees are trying to get everyone back on track in following God the right way and taking God seriously. 
And so quite often we give the Pharisees a bit of a bad rap, but that's, that was their hope and their dream, that we, would, that we would take God seriously and follow God seriously. Um, the second thing that's really important about this passage uh, is that they're talking about one of the first commandments that God ever gives to his people. Uh, so if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 17, uh, verse 13, you'll see that God makes uh, the first ever kind of rule uh, that he gives to Abraham. And so this is verse 13 in chapter 17 of Genesis. Uh, so whether born in your household or bought with your money, uh, they, so meaning the men, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who has not been circumcised in the flesh will be cut off from his people and has broken my covenant. And so for 2,000 years, the, the way that people have identified as God's people has been the fact that they have been born in the family of Abraham and they have been and the, and the males have been circumcised. That is the way that like the broad definition, like the very kind of base level fundamental thing is like that is what it means to be God's people. When we're talking about a Jew, that is, that is who God's people are. And so what happens in the New Testament is, is Jesus comes down, he dies on the cross for sins as like this everlasting sacrifice that encompasses not only the Jewish people for one year, but everlasting, but also beyond the Jewish people for everyone, that they can be saved through the sacrifice of Jesus and through his conquering uh, of sin and death through his resurrection. Now, the complicated thing that comes with that, if you're still following me, is that for, for a long time, the base level thing that they understand to be belonging to Jesus is descendant of Abraham and circumcised. So it's all well and good for the sacrifice of Jesus to bring in the Gentiles, but what's the base level thing that has always been the requirement for God's people? Circumcision. Like, you've got to follow the way of the Jewish people. You've got to follow the law of Moses. And so the, for the Pharisees that are trying to follow God properly, they're saying, like, hey, like, we can welcome these Gentiles in. It's great. Like, Jesus died on the cross for the sins of all people. But in order to belong to God, you have to kind of fit into this mold. Like, in order to kind of belong to, to God's people and to kind of celebrate in who Jesus was, you have to be one of God's people. And the thing that marks you as God's people are these certain rules and boundaries. That, that is how the, the Pharisees saw it and how many of the Jews who had had a way of defining themselves as God's people had seen it. That was the marker. And so this caused a massive tension because the, the Gentiles, that's just not who they were. They, they, they weren't Jewish people. They, they didn't live according to Jewish customs. Many of their lives were built around not being Jewish. That was their life. That was who they were. And so this caused a lot of tension. And so as we continue on, uh, if we get to uh, chapter 15 of Acts verse uh, 6, it says, The apostles and the elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear. No, 
We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders that God had done among the Gentiles through them. And so what, the, what decision is being made here? So that the, is they, they're discerning uh, what is the gospel? What does it actually mean that Jesus has died on the cross for us? And, and what is required to actually be a Christian? And, and the decision that they make is all you need to do to be a Christian is have faith in Jesus. There are no social, ethnic, kind of cultural boundaries that you have to cross over in order to have faith in Jesus. That's, that's the decision that they make at this point, that, which is a, is a big deal. Like that's, that hasn't been previously the way that people have been defined as God's people. But now all of a sudden, it is solely and only faith in Jesus. Now, that's all well and good to say that, but think about how that fits together. Because all of a sudden, you're, you're, you've got this group of people that are celebrating the fact that they have faith in Jesus, who, who previously would not talk to each other. If you're a Jew, you don't invite a Gentile into your house. You probably don't even talk to them or touch them. And now all of a sudden you are supposed to be this singular community that boasts faith in Jesus Christ, that's meeting together and learning about what it means to be a follower of Jesus and falling in love with Jesus and practicing the love of Jesus. You have people from the very edges of different societal norms that are now all of a sudden not required to kind of conform to any one idea of of who humanity is coming together under the faith of Jesus. They're not becoming Jewish. They're not becoming Greek. They're not becoming Christianese. They are people who have faith in Jesus. And so as we see the Bible unfold, if you flip over to Acts chapter 16, you'll see the story of Paul going to Macedonia and Philippi, and he comes across this really rich lady who's doing really well in life. And so she kind of falls in love with Jesus and sees how great Jesus is and has faith in Jesus. She's still kind of wealthy and rich and business person. She's kind of in like the fashion industry, so to say. She's trading purple cloth, which was like a really fancy cloth. Uh, and then the next person that get kind of, gets kind of spiritually restored is this slave girl uh, who was prophesying and people were making money off that. And so all of a sudden, like the, the next person that kind of joins the fold who's been spiritually redeemed by Jesus is a lady that had her only value was in the fact that she could tell the future, which is now gone. Um, And she's like a slave girl, no education, like no kind of like perceived value in life, probably didn't have a family with her. She's just like this this young girl uh, that hasn't like really had anything going for her her entire life. Like they're two different people. The third person that comes to to Christ is the people, is the the jailer uh, who who is responsible for kind of imprisoning Paul uh, because he's like spiritually redeemed uh, through Jesus, this slave girl. Uh, And so this jailer, who's probably ex-Roman soldier, probably, you know, blokey Roman kind of guy, uh, and he's, you know, used to kind of violence and fighting and all that kind of stuff. And he's the third person to be saved. Now, picture a Bible study with those three people. Like, if you, if you went to that church, you would probably leave and be like, 
sorry, I'm looking for more young families. Like, that, like you wouldn't go to that church. Like, there's just three really different people. They probably were really awkward together. Like, the jailer probably isn't really great with helping young girls who have been, like, abandoned. Like, that's not, that's not his strength. That's not the thing that he's good at. He's not a natural pastoral carer. The, the, the rich woman, like, wouldn't know what it's like to, to, know what, to know what it's like to be, like, someone who doesn't have enough money to feed themselves. She's not accustomed to having to fight people like there's like there's different problems and struggles and and they just you can imagine what it would be like in that room as they try and have some sort of conversation about what you did on the weekend like it's just three really diverse people coming together Uh, as you continue to go through the bible one of paul's first letters is galatians in galatians 2 he kind of recaptures this meeting uh, which is the council of jerusalem where they're making this decision uh, and they're talking about how do we actually meet together we're jews and gentiles historically we haven't got along this is a group of people that we don't really like and now we have to be best friends and love each other and have each over over for meals that's really tricky. Like that's, it's a whole different way of, of life. Uh, as you go through Romans, as you go through 1 Corinthians, as you go through Ephesians and Colossians and Titus, they all talk about how do we make sense of living together when we're with these diverse groups of people that historically have had no business meeting together and talking about a common love for God. The rest of the Bible is trying to make sense of how do we come together as a diverse group of people? How do we be a community that loves each other when we're on opposite ends of the spectrum of life, of culture, of every kind of social boundary that we put up? How do we fit together? How do we love each other? Because that that is where it gets really hard. It's easy to say the only thing required is faith in Jesus. And and it's awesome to be able to celebrate the fact that all we need is faith in Jesus. But the rest of the Bible and, and the rest of our life is figuring out we are a diverse group of people. How do we fit together? How do we love each other? Because there are huge differences. There's huge discrepancies in how we go about life, in the, in the things that we value, in, in the languages that we speak, in, in, in the way that we do family and food and all these different things. Because we all come together as people who have faith in Jesus. And as we seek to understand the love of Jesus... Uh, as we seek to try and be this body that we are called to be and do it in a functional way, we are called to be a community that overcomes these boundaries. We, we are called to be a community that, that isn't just the people that are like us gathering together and then over there is the people like them gathered together and then over here is the other group of people that are like them that are gathered together, kind of all coming into one building and kind of singing the same song but then going back and talking to each other, going home and, and kind of calling it a community. Like, that's not what we're called to be. That's, that's not actually loving each other in the way that we are called to love our community. That's, that's not who we are called to be, and that's, that's not the, the, the love that was demonstrated to us. That's not truly celebrating the fact that the only thing that is required for us to be a loving community is faith in Jesus. 
That, that is not what, that's not a representation of, of who we're called to be and what we believe. And, and so uh, the, the question that we have is as you experience the life-changing message of Jesus, as you come to truly understand and believe that we are all saved by faith alone, that we all see that we are called to love one another, as we see the call to be a body of believers that meet together to celebrate, encourage, to spur one another on towards following and living out the life-changing message of Jesus, what does our community look like? What, what does our community look like? And as we think about that, like, because we, we do have, like, everyone, we all have a tendency to hang out with people like us, right? Like, that's fair. Like, your, your friends are probably somewhat similar to you. Like, that's, that's, a, that's a fair thing, right? Like, we, we, we gravitate towards people who are like us. We gravitate to people who are in the same life stage as us. Because it's, it's easy to be friends with people who are like us. And that's great. I'm not, not saying that you shouldn't kind of, like, ditch all of your friends. Like, you can keep them. That's okay. Um, so you can be relieved there. So, but what does your community broader than that look like? Is, 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 is your entire Christian community just a group of friends that are like you? Or are there people that you have no business being friends with because of the life-changing message of Jesus, love and care for each other? Are there people in your life that are, that are different to you, that, that, uh, that are, whether like there's so many different ways, we can be ethnically different, we can be socially different, we can, like, we can have different talents, uh, we, could be, like, we can be intelligent or really emotionally aware, uh, or, or maybe it might be the fact that you know, we're in a high status, high paying job, and, or even like you might have kids or you might be single, you might be old, you might be young. Um, there's all these different ways where we can be completely different to people, but because of the life-changing message of Jesus, we still love and care for those who are completely different to us. Because we believe in the life-changing message of Jesus, that we are saved by faith alone, as did the people in Acts chapter 15. Um, and, and so uh, what we're talking about here, and, and the simplest way to kind of ask this question, once again, are there people beyond the people that are the same as you that would say that, you are loved or they are loved by you. So are there people that are different to me, whether it be ethnically, whether it be in a st different stages of life, whether it be in terms of like what our talents uh, are, and I'll explain this in a sec, and what our status is, are there people that are different to me that would say, man, this person loves and cares for me and I see the love of Jesus in them? Do you see that? And so um, four categories to kind of work on and think about today. There are plenty more, plenty more. But here are four ones. So the first one is, is in terms of ethnicity. Um, like, for, like do, we, do we have people that are ethnically different to us? Um, do you have friends that don't speak the same first language as you? Do you, do you have people that, that, you know, they're culturally different to you because of the families that they were raised in? Um, the second one is, is stage of life. Like, if you're a family, like, do you hang out with single people? Because like it's it, like a, one of the main reasons that we see people like leave the church is because they're single and, and they don't feel like the people that are in relationships care for them. 
And so we have single people that move on and leave because they don't feel cared for. Do you, if, you're, if, you're in, like, if you have a young family, do you interact with old families? If you're an empty nester, do you, do you come and get yourself involved with the younger families? If you're really old and you see like all these young people that don't seem to understand um, the way that they should be living life and don't understand why they're getting these funny haircuts and all these different things, um, do you still care for them and love them and do they feel loved by you? If you're a young whippersnapper and you think that all the old people just don't understand anything about life because they're just old, uh, then like you should be loving and caring for those people. Like, that we, we should be embodying the love of Jesus beyond those boundaries. The, the third one is in terms of talent. So some people, like, you're just a genius. Like, we have some people that are just, like, absolute genius here at Lakeside, and they're, they're killing it. Like, if you're, if you're a smart person, like, do you interact with people? Like, do you only kind of hang out with people that can kind of talk on the same level and engage with the same kind of material that you do? If you're super emotionally aware, like some people, like your EQ is just through the roof. Like you just understand social cues and, and like you can spot the awkward person a mile away. And, and you're like, man, this person's so awkward. I'm not like, do you cross those boundaries because you've experienced the love of Jesus? If you're really good at something, so like there's people, like, you know, some of us are really good at sport, not me, clearly, uh, but there's some people like, you know, you're really good at this, and, and so to hang out with people that just don't understand your gift and your talent and, and can kind of roll with you in that level, do you still like have time for those people? Do you cross those boundaries and, and make friends and seek to be a loving and caring person beyond those boundaries? The fourth one is status. So, like, if you're in a high, like a you know a well-paying job, or like you're in a, you have a role that that means you're kind of like Perth famous or something like that. Um, like, do you do you like do you still make the time for people who are like not seen as important by their communities, or seen as less important, or, or kind of maybe a behind-the-scenes person that doesn't get to kind of be like a, a big status person or has no interest in being a big status person. Like, do you, do you hang out with people that are in the same income brackets as you, or do you hang out with people from all different walks of life? When, when we experience the love of Jesus, the thing that binds us together is not just people like us. In the same way that the thing that binded the Christian community after Acts 15 was not their Jewishness but rather the fact that they had faith in Jesus. And so if you were to look at all of those four things, if you look at ethnicity, if you were to look at stage of life, talent, and status, like how would you rate yourself in each of those four areas? Like is there, a, is there one person that is different to you in those areas that would say, yep, like this person feels loved and cared for by me? And some of those, like some of those areas like you're just naturally good at like sometimes, like you're like, may, like maybe you're just like you're so socially awkward. You don't even know what it means to have like EQ, and so like you're happy to kind of communicate with everyone, and you love everyone and care for everyone. It's great. It's amazing. Or, or maybe like like you've grown up in like a in like an ethnically diverse family, and you just understand like the difficulty it is to like kind of engage with people that are ethnically different to you, and you're just good at that, and you're pr- like you do a great job. Like. 
Maybe like you've just made it financially and you couldn't give a like you don't care at all. Like it means nothing to you. And so like you've been really good at engaging beyond that. Maybe like you're an older person and you just love young people. And like those boundaries, sometimes they're really easy to cross. But then there are also boundaries that we struggle to cross. That we feel really uncomfortable crossing those boundaries and moving beyond those boundaries. And so I would encourage you like how do you go moving beyond those cultural boundaries? Because we are called to demonstrate the love of Jesus. We are called to be a community that gathers together, not as people who are like us, but as people that share faith in Jesus Christ. We are called to be a people that gather because of our faith in Jesus Christ and to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, despite the fact that they are completely different to us. And as we read the Bible, we understand that that's difficult. As we read the Bible, there's a lot of fighting. There's a lot of arguments. Paul has to come in there and be a parent quite regularly. But we are changed by the fact that we have faith in Jesus. We, we understand that we're equally unworthy we understand that we're equally loved. And so as we reflect, uh, as we go into this new year, as we go into this new season, we want to be a community with a heart for our church. We want to be a community that has a heart for our community as a whole, despite the differences that we have, despite how different people might be, how frustrating people might be because of their differences, because they don't get the things that you get, but rather we love and care for the people in our community despite all those things. That we're willing to wrestle with our differences because of the love that has changed us and our hearts. Uh, I'm going to pray. The worship team's going to come back up and sing. Uh, And once again, I'd encourage you guys Think about those four areas. Think about how you go with them and see how you can be a person who brings in a community that goes beyond who you are. Father, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that you're a God who loves us and cares for us. We, we thank you that you're a God that, that loves us despite who we are despite who we cut, where we come from, despite what we're good at, what we're bad at. And Lord, we, we thank you that there is nothing beyond faith in Jesus that saves us. Lord, help us to experience the love that you have for us and to share that love with our community. To demonstrate the love that you have for us through the way that we love each other and care for each other. Help us to overcome things that are uncomfortable. Help us to to have a heart for people beyond the people that are similar to us. Help us to love and care for the people in our community. In your name we pray. Amen.